A thousand ways to kneel and kiss the ground. A thousand ways to say I love you. One of which is through flowers. Flowers are, in fact, a language in itself. Love, happiness, friendship. What are they saying? The language of flowers, conveying meaning without words. Today, on An Organic Conversation, your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helge Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Today we are honored by a guest that is approved by His Royal Highness, the Prince of Wales, as fit for serving the royal family in Britain. And he will take us on a fascinating and poetic journey through the world of flowers as we are learning about their meaning and their hidden message. The language of flowers conveying meaning without words, our topic in this hour. But we'll start off, as always, with a week's review. Sita. Week's review. And your intro was so apropos. A thousand ways to kneel and kiss the ground. Is that Gandhi? Or is that Rumi? Rumi. It's Rumi. Well, you know, Gandhi's birthday is coming up. It's October 2nd. He would have been 146 this year. And reflecting on that Rumi quote, there are a thousand ways to kneel and kiss the ground, we are actually talking about a project called Kiss the Ground, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) It's so interesting how soil has stayed a topic, very, very appropriately so, over the last decades in water conservation and really every every challenge we face as a society you can in one way or another point back to the quality of the soil and our relationship to soil and now with climate change and global warming there are basically three carbon sinks carbon is either in the atmosphere in the ocean or in the soil it's hard to manage in the ocean It's in the atmosphere where it creates kind of this bubble effect around the earth that warms up and traps greenhouse gases. And then there's the soil, and the soil is a gigantic carbon sink. And so healthy soil, soil rich with life, has the ability to pull carbon from the atmosphere and then turn that into growth and life and roots. That's all carbon that once was in the atmosphere. It's either in the atmosphere or it's in the soil or it's in the ocean. So we can decide based on our management practices where we want it. And because soil has been so degraded, much of that soil carbon has been released into the atmosphere. And so there are many projects now that are aiming to pull that atmospheric carbon back into the ground. And there are several documentaries around that. Deborah Kunz-Garcia, I think we had a show on that, Symphony of the Soil. There's now a nonprofit organization in Los Angeles that teaches people about urban agriculture and and soil quality and how to grow plants and how to do compost, convert green material back into healthy soil. It's called Kiss the Ground, and they have a, an amazing new film project that they are working on right now. The Soil Story, right? Is that its exactly. official title or the working title? I'm not sure, but uh-huh. I, think it, I think it's the official title, The Soil Story. And the climate summit is coming up in Paris in, mm-hmm. in just in, in a month November or so. November 30th. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. They are planning on going there and presenting and 
it's an amazing effort kisstheground.com if you want to check it out the soil story it's just one of these many efforts where it's not just about demonstrating against climate change or calling for action it's actually presenting a real solution and soil you know however we can bring that to the public and to government officials the more we kill life in the soil through industrial agricultural practices the more those soils will not be able to contribute or help with with global warming Organic farming, soil rich with life, rich with organic matter, that's all carbon that was pulled from the atmosphere to be put back into the ground, and that's really the best option we have. Of course, we need to stop emissions, but that won't happen overnight. New agricultural practices or creating healthy soil is something we literally can start today, and many people are working on that. So again, kisstheground.com, wonderful nonprofit down in Los Angeles and the new movie, watch out for it. It's the soil story. I think we can get something up on our Facebook page about that so people can take a look. They've got a trailer. Oh, we for saw, sure. We saw a really great um, <clears throat> preview of what it is they're working on and it's very inspirational. And as we're um, getting closer to the climate change summit or climate summit in Paris, end of November, we will have more and more content around that so people are aware and informed and see what solutions are out there. And that's just a really direct one. Everyone who works with healthy soil does their part to help with climate change. It's our responsibility. Take care of Mother Earth. Yes. And it is our responsibility to appreciate the beauty and the messages that come from nature. The language of flowers, our topic in this hour here on An Organic Conversation, conveying meaning without words. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. More of that in just a minute. Stay tuned. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helber. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. The language of flowers conveying meaning without words. That's our featured topic in this hour. But before, here's the health tip from the world of personal sustainability and beauty. Sitarani Palomar, a.k.a. Chef Sita and her holistic bite. We all want healthy skin and high quality natural beauty products can really do wonders to help in that effort but there is no amount of moisturizer or serum that will heal your skin if you're not giving it the nutrients and hydration that it needs and I'm talking about internally. And of course, you can drink lots of water. It's really important that you're getting enough water. And I can attest to the fact that when I am getting at least eight glasses of water a day, I can feel a difference in my skin. But that's not the only thing I'm talking about. I want you to understand what you need to know for really healthy, soft skin 
from within. And what I found and what experts say is one of the most crucial things to be feeding your body is omega-3 fatty acids. And as a vegetarian, I don't do cold water fish, which is one of the best sources of omega-3s. And for a lot of people, they can get their omega-3s from that. If you're looking for a plant-based source though, or more ways to work it into your diet throughout the day to make sure that you're getting the right amount of omega-3s, here are a few tips that I have found make a big difference on the softness and health of my skin. One is seeds, particularly hemp and flax seeds, which are rich in omega-3s. And you can put these over your oatmeal. You can stir it into your yogurt. You can also use the oil from the seeds. So hemp seed oil and flaxseed oil are great things to add. Another thing is chia pudding. Chia seeds have a lot of omega-3s, and we have a great recipe for a Mexican chocolate chia pudding that uses hemp milk and chia seeds. So it's like this ultimate combination of these wonderful omega-3s. It takes, you know, 15 minutes or less to put together, and then you just let it sit in your refrigerator overnight, have it for breakfast the next morning or as a snack any time of the day. And then my current favorite thing right now for omega-3 fatty acids to help with the health of my skin is walnut oil. And this is actually a recommendation that I got from a holistic doctor who I saw particularly for the health of my skin. And he said, if you can start putting a tablespoon of walnut oil into your meals, this will dramatically help your ability to uh, prevent acne and to give your skin the nutrients it needs to regenerate and be healthy and glowing and hydrated. So I drizzle walnut oil over everything. It's like my new favorite. Instead of olive oil, I drizzle walnut oil. I use it in my vinaigrettes. I put it on top of of my yogurt. It's nutty. It's delicious. I put it in enchiladas, bean dip, whatever I can think of. And I actually can tell you that after just a few days of use, I noticed my skin was looking better and feeling better. So think about getting enough water for sure, but incorporating more omega-3 fatty acids into your diet for a glow that starts within. Thank you, Sita. I was wondering what it is. What oh, you changed. You're sweet. Yeah, lighting up the studio. <laughs> Love it. The walnut walnut oil. oil. And we just had a fantastic episode just a couple of weeks back on how to cook with oils or what their function is exactly, what their role, which oil for what job. Walnut oil is one of those you don't want to heat, Correct. right? Correct. None of these oils you want to heat. Hemp seed oil, flaxseed oil, and walnut oil, they're really sensitive. When you heat them, you start to change them. And our guest was saying, you know, you don't really want to heat heat any oil period but we all use some oil for cooking olive oil and it's a it's a great walk through the world of kitchen oils and and what you can use them for but walnut oil keep it cold drizzle it over yogurt whatever just no heat yeah yeah i wouldn't heat it i think the nut oils in general too fragile yeah unless they're refined but if they're refined you're not getting the same nutrients anyway but wonderful thank you yeah you're welcome i will try that Mm. and hopefully i'll look like you and try the chia pudding (laughs) recipe i can't believe how easy it is i'm completely i thought you would make that for me at one point but You haven't yet. Uh, But that's maybe what's coming up. Also, what's coming up is the language of flowers conveying meaning without words. Today on Anaganic Conversation, I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And we are now being joined and walked through the world of flowers and what they are saying to us. Love, happiness, friendship by Shane Connolly, floral and event designer. That's shaneconnolly.co.uk, who is actually joining us from London. He has an organic approach to his work. He holds an official approval by His Royal Highness, the Prince of Wales. Shane, do we have you on the phone? 
you you have me on the phone. I can't believe hearing about myself. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. The language of flowers conveying meaning without words, really your world. You don't just use flowers and work with flowers for their beauty, but there's so much more behind it and you're really intentional about it. Let's start by your path into the world of flowers. When did you fall in love with flowers? How did that occur well, to think, make it a career? I think probably I fell in love with growing things from childhood, growing things, gardens. They were the passion. So the flowers were just part of that world and watching things grow from seed was a great passion um growing vegetables and that is where this that's where the root really started and then that developed into being interested in how things look i suppose i had a mother who was very keen on on making things beautiful so flowers were part of that process and then through very long and circuitous routes i ended up doing what i'm doing i didn't know this job existed when I was in my teens. You never know where you're going to end up, I and think is the thing. <laughs> so you just got kind of sucked into the beauty and the more you learned, the more interesting it became? Yes. And, and, and really, I met uh, a couple who ran exactly the same sort of business as I do now uh, when I was about 20, 20 maybe 21 in mm -hmm. the middle of a degree. And they described what they did. And I had one of those St. Paul on the road to Damascus moments. And was completely, I thought that's what I want to do. And I wrote to them because there were no emails in those days and said, uh, this is what I want to do. And they wrote back and said, don't be so stupid. Um, <laughs> you couldn't possibly, you're doing a degree, you know, wouldn't dream of changing that. Uh, but I pers persevered. And then they, I, the more I helped them, the more I wanted to do it. And that's really, I think that's, that's always how you get ahead in life. If you show enthusiasm, I think that's a great ticket to, to most places. <laughs> yes, and you, you definitely have found your world there. You have, I yeah. think so far, written four books, Table Flowers, Shane Connolly's Wedding Flowers, The Secret yeah. Language of Flowers, and A Year in Flowers. And I those know, books are... <laughs> <laughs> but those books are stunning, and they do convey not just what you're writing about in terms of what flowers are saying, but they do convey your absolute love for flowers. What do you love about them? That's a difficult one. Um, I don't think there's much I don't love about them. What, what, I, what I love is that they, they have no other agenda. You know, that they're not, there's nothing complex about a flower. It completely exists to be beautiful. And, and there's something very special about that. It's got an innocence as well as a, a sort of a sensual beauty. And, and, and lots of flowers are very uh, sensual, but there is no other agenda. And, and that's, You know, that's something quite special about that. And so I feel very respectful. I think, I think a word I like to use in our work is I like things to be thoughtful and considered. Um, that's two words. And therefore, I like to sort of be respectful to flowers and, and really use them, as you said in that introduction, for their intrinsic beauty. That's why, do I, that's why I love them. I think the intrinsic beauty, they, 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 they convey such a lot without any sort of self in it. There's no selfishness in a flower, if that makes sense. <laughs> They just keep giving. It does make sense. <laughs> They just keep giving, yeah. They do. <laughs> 
Well, when when did it occur to you that there is this entire language behind the beauty of flowers? I mean, there there is a history of giving flowers based on a specific meaning that has been ascribed to these flowers, but that that has kind of been buried over time, and and now it's an opportunity for it to resurface. What is the history? How how did they get their meaning? Well, they they had meanings in ancient times. I mean, flowers. Roses were dedicated to Roman and Greek goddesses of love, and then they became dedicated to the Virgin Mary when Christianity took over. And they, so they've, they've always had symbolisms and meanings. And lots of flowers and herbs, as you would know, were, were, were absolutely used for medicinal purposes. So every, they, they had meanings and they had symbolisms, which might be perhaps more uh, real to, to our ancient forefathers than they are to us. They, they absolutely knew that, you know, sage, for instance, has gotten the meaning of a long and healthy life. And the reason was that, that sage was the only antiseptic in ancient times. So, of course, it helped you have a long and healthy mm-hmm. life. If you cut yourself and rubbed it with sage, you know, chances are you would keep the infection down. And I think, really, it came, the, the language of flowers was an invention of the late 18th century. Um, a, a, a woman called... Lady Mary Wortley Montague was in Turkey. Her husband was an ambassador. And for some reason, she was in the harems there. And she was completely enthralled that the ladies of the harem could speak to each other in this sort of coded way with flowers and objects. And she was, she was charmed. And she started doing that with her friends back in, in England. And then that, the language of flowers developed. And by about 1820 or 30, there were dictionaries being written on, on florigraphy, the, the, the sort of the language, the secret language of flowers. And because that was a very buttoned up era, it was really a very nice way for people to communicate man to woman, generally, about uh, things that they couldn't speak about. So when you say that she was fascinated by the ability of people to communicate with one another without words through the flowers, it was somebody was expressing how they felt in a silent way based on the flowers that they were giving to their friends. Is that what she said? Yes, and they could sort of make little comments by certain flowers that they would give. And when she brought it to England, the people developed it even further. And I think a, a lot of research was done, obviously, into the ancient meanings of flowers, the ancient religious symbolisms. And, and you know, before, before you knew it, there was a whole, I think it just fitted the era. We're speaking with Shane Connolly, floral and event designer, shaneconnolly.co.uk is his website, website. who's joining us today from London. And um, he holds, his company holds a royal warrant of appointment to HRH, His Royal Highness, the Prince of Wales. Shane, help me out um, when when you talk about herbs and there's a yeah. there's a real antibiotic property in sage and you rub that on your body and sage then stands for longevity that makes perfect yeah. sense to me is yeah. the meaning of flowers because not all flowers are medicinal or are they uh, is that something we interpreted flowers to be we basically gave them the meaning based on ancient scriptures or where well, do where do flowers start to own that that property? Ancient people in in ancient Rome, for instance, they would have had symbols in their paintings and symbols in their worship of their gods. So they would give roses to Venus, and they would give um, in Greece roses to Aphrodite because they were her flowers. 
So if a man gave a woman roses, undoubtedly it would, be, it would have been a symbol of love even then. In fact, in, when Tutankhamun's tomb was found, there was a wreath of roses on the head of the boy king's corpse left by his wife. Hmm. So even then, there was a symbolism. But do we and know who invented that originally? Who came it, up with the beauty of a rose being equivalent to the beauty of love expressed between two people? Well, well Aphrodite, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I think, I think when, when, when you're thinking back to a society who had no written, uh, most the, the general public had no written communication uh -huh. because most people couldn't sure. write. I think a lot of, a lot of religion, because a lot of the meanings were based, were, were, were you know, religiously based, a lot of a lot of religion had to be conveyed by symbols mm. and so i think probably some priests in a temple thought i know let's have let's have roses for aphrodite and and venus because they're they're very sensual and they're goddesses of love and they have great scent and you know they, they've got all the right attributes and you know other flowers the, the, the christian church took on a lot of flowers like the aquilegia became a symbol of the holy ghost because it's got If you look at it, it looks like a little circle of doves all together. So sure. that became a symbol of the Holy Ghost. Probably mm -hmm. an easy way for them to des describe, you know, the, the, the dove-like qualities of that particular deity. Wonderful. Uh, the ancient... Yes, uh, Shane. I mean, I we we, night, we actually we want you we to. We want you to. <laughs> uh, we we do want you to uh, walk us through the occasion and then what flowers would be appropriate and what do they convey. But let's um, take a quick break for a station ID. I'm Helga Helberg. and I'm Sitarani Palomar. This is an organic conversation. Our topic today is the language of flowers conveying meaning without words here in this hour, and we are speaking with Shane Connolly, floral and event designer. Again, Shane Connolly. .co.uk, who is joining us from London, really the expert in the world of flower language. Shane, stay with us. We'll take a very quick break and we'll be right back with you in just a minute. Stay tuned. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons, so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Our focus in this hour is the language of flowers. There's an entire world behind each rose and every other flower that we can think of conveying meaning without words. And who would be better than Shane Connolly, who's joining us today from London, UK, in this hour on an organic conversation to walk us through the poetic and poignant world of the language of flowers. 
So we want to talk about specific flowers and their meaning and then how you can create a bouquet or a gift of flowers that convey something specific to somebody in your life. But before we jump into that, I I have another question about when did this all make sense to you? I mean, you said that you started loving working with flowers because of the miracle of the seed producing something that's just so beautiful in food and then eventually in flowers and then, of course, the, the aesthetic appeal of it. But, I mean, your company, you have this very distinguished honor that your company holds a royal warrant of appointment to his royal highness the prince of wales you do the flowers i mean and you did the flowers for the royal wedding for prince william is that right yes yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is that's such a huge honor, and and I'm kind of curious. Like, was do you think it was this this um, symbolism that you worked in that you worked into everything you do that kind of elevated the work you were doing to being so touching and and capturing this incredible attention and honor? Gosh, I I, I, um, I think <laughs> that certainly with the Duchess of Cambridge, there was that was a huge part of it because uh, the, the thoughtfulness throughout her wedding to Prince William was, was huge and everything was very uh, careful and thoughtful in the most beautiful way. And also I had already done the flowers for the Prince of Wales and Duchess of Cornwall when they got married in 2005. So I was tried and tested. Maybe that helped as well. <laughs> and I think, I think um, I hope that that, that that was part of it, that, that it was a thoughtful approach to everything. Do you think that that really shifted your business? Or when did that come into your business? When did it become about the meaning of flowers well, as opposed to just lovely arrangements? Beauty, yeah. I have to tell you that it, it doesn't go throughout everything because some people don't have no interest in it whatsoever. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's something that, you know, one pitches to the right client. And certainly there are some people who just want beautiful flowers and they can, you know, flowers don't need to have a, a, a deep, deeper meaning to everybody. They'll always be beautiful and touching. Um, but, you know, there's some things like if, if someone asked me to have a wedding bouquet of yellow roses, I would not be, I would, I would, I would feel I had to tell them that in the language of flowers, um, yellow roses symbolize infidelity and the decrease of love. professional responsibility (laughs) yeah I just sort of feel I can't give you those in case somebody tells you that in five years time yeah that reminds me of I I had a music background when I was younger and we we played at two weddings actually where the the song that was requested from my a cappella band was uh, I still haven't found what I'm looking for from you too oh and and I, I have you ever really listened to the lyrics like so uh, same idea so it sounds like you were saying you know if people are not interested in the language that's okay in in it to to a degree or in a way but the language is there anyway it reminds me almost as if a if a couple doesn't listen to one another anymore or if we don't listen to one another as a society it's still communicated everything exactly. is communicated from the exactly. from the planet to the flower to one another it's just up to us if we care enough to listen but the meaning of the flower is there whether people like it or appreciate it or want to hear it or are or know about it right and you know, to what it, what it really get when i researched this book uh, on the language of flowers which is quite a few years ago now what it really gave me was this sense of a continual line that flowers had a, a little hit well not a little a huge history each flower had its own history uh-huh. and its own story to tell mm-hmm. and it made me even more interested in in in, in flowers as, as characters, you know, and the, it's, it sort of gives them a completely uh, other sense as well as the, their own 
you know, physical beauty. They sort of had had character as well then. Sure. I found that very interesting. I've, I've heard that from people who, who make who make um, botanicals, whether they're doing toners or perfumes or various skincare products, yeah. is that they they need to let the flowers and the oils, the essential oils of the flowers, sit together for two months because they all have their own personality and they need to yeah, come. They need imagine. to develop and come out and come together. It's like the same thing oh, that's incredible. with the flower itself. Speaking of which, yep. can you walk yep. us through the common occasions? We frequently give flowers on occasions. You know, happy or sad, birthday celebrations, maybe mourning, romance, of course. You organize flowers based on the intention or feeling and, and the story. And you, it's important to you that you convey that, uh, as you just said, with yellow roses, for example. Can you yeah. <laughs> walk us through the world of like the common you know, occasions that we all encounter in life and which flowers would be the most appropriate for the moment? Yeah, you have great categories in your book, like friendship and forgiveness. Yes, yes. Love. Well, and you can also say you can also say unpleasant things with in the language of flowers. Mm. You know, it isn't it isn't all about uh, delicacy. It, it can also be you know a yellow car a yellow carnation symbolizes you have disappointed me, mm. and a purple carnation is capricious and whimsical. So you know it's, you can say you can say and and uh, <laughs> crab apple blossom is crabbed and um, you know sort of moody, and so it's quite it's quite it's quite a, it's obviously. I will still use crab apple for a beautiful dinner party, and I won't say to the hostess, by the way, it means you're crabby. It will be used for its physical beauty. But if I were doing a wedding, I might prefer uh, to use, you know, blossom, which sort of symbolizes, cherry blossom symbolizes spiritual beauty. So mm. you might, you know, in my head, but it doesn't put me off using things for the physical rather than the, the, the meaning. Sure. So talking you through what, well, one of the ones that I, everyone knows, roses, and the association with love. And the thing that probably most people don't know is that there are huge divisions of different meanings within different colors and different types. So obviously, you know, red rose, everyone knows is, I love you. And that's indeed what it means. So that would be quite a, a daring thing for a man to have sent a lady in, in the 19th century. But she could pull a leaf off that rose and send it back to him and that would mean you may hope so you can you know nothing i'm not sure yet but you may hope about it um, <laughs> wow oh, i'm getting life. goosebumps <laughs> that is so amazing yeah. wow That's, that and, makes and it a dialogue you don't instead need to of a write one-way a conversation word. yeah you also don't exactly. need to write a single word it's all there wow and and a red rose bud every time that, that a flower has a meaning like a red rose a full-blown red rose is i love you a red rose bud symbolizes pure and lovely it's always diminutive versions of the of the thing itself a white rose symbolizes i'm worthy of you so it's a very beautiful thing for a bride to carry um but a white rosebud symbolizes youth so that it's it's very sweet and you know it's innocence and and difference completely hmm. um a yellow rose as i say is infidelity a bouquet of mixed roses symbolizes gratitude. A red and white rose together symbolizes unity. Uh, and, you know, it sort of goes on and on then, the different types of roses. There's a lovely, there's a, rugosa, a rose called Rosa Rugosa, which was called the Japanese rose in, in the 18th century. And its meaning is beauty is your only attraction. Mm. So, you know, that could be <laughs> really quite nasty. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're beautiful, but you've got nothing else going for you. 
<laughs> Ragosa. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, it is. So um, from the world of roses, if we can just touch on a couple others, just to, to basically invite people to understand that they better watch out what they're giving <laughs> and get one of your books. Um, and, I don't and, think it's and, lovely to get flowers, whatever <laughs> no, they of course, are. Of course, of course. I'm, really, I'm really, half, I mean, kidding, one of my, half kidding. One of my favorite <laughs> meanings, and indeed we used them in the Duchess of Cambridge's wedding bouquet, yes. hyacinths, and mm. they symbolize the constancy of love, mm. which is a really beautiful thing for a wedding. And that's because the history of them, I mean, it's got this lovely story. Hyacinthus was a youth, a beautiful youth, human, and the god Zeus fell in love with him. And the god of the wind was jealous, so he killed him. And everywhere his blood dropped, uh, Zeus caused Hyacinth to grow in memory of him because he would love him forever. As it happened, mm. he didn't. He found somebody else pretty quickly. But the meaning, that was the, that was the, that, that was the whole legend of Hyacinth. And it's supposed to be that the little curl on the flower is like Hyacinth's curly hair. He had this beautiful hair. And I think that's rather charming. I remember you telling me this story right now brings back my my stepdad used to buy hyacinths for my mother and she would put them in this vase on the shelf that sat above their bed. And I just I always remembered it was so lovely because they're they're beautiful and they're fragrant and it was like a staple of my youth and it just really elevates the experience to know but what do it you, means. Do you think, do you think he, he might have he might even from his mother or grandmother have picked up that hyacinths were a nice gift from a husband to a wife. Very possibly. A partner to a partner because of that symbolism of constancy of love. Well, we do have a cellular memory somehow, right? I mean, we sometimes yes, pick the right stone for us or the, mm -hmm. you know, the right food or the right flower in Absolutely. this case without really knowing why it just really speaks to us. If we are open to listening, I think we will hear the language even though we might not always fully be yeah. conscious about it or understand it. Shane, how about friendship? I mean, giving giving flowers for romance is is lovely, and we also have quite a lot of love we like to express to our friends. Are there are there different flowers that are particularly good for expressing friendship? Well, I'm going to open my friendship section of my book so that I can be. Um, uh, <laughs> the, one of the nice things is the, 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 the sort of the forgiveness mm. and contentment and happiness that sort of symbolizes pink roses symbolize perfect happiness, for mm. instance. So that's a lovely expression between friends. Violas and pansies symbolizing loving thoughts. So, you know, sending friends a, a bunch of, a, a, some growing pansy plants symbolize loving thoughts, which is really quite nice too. Now I'm looking at bindweed, but that's not a good one. That means let us unite. So perhaps not that one. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the other thing are box plants. You call them boxwood. Box is a really lovely thing for friends because it's the symbol of constancy and devotion and friendship because box can be cut back any number of times and it always regenerates. Mm. So that lovely thing that, you know, friendship can suffer anything and it's always going to be strong. So giving somebody, a, a, a great friend who's get, getting married or who's moving to a new house, to give them a box topiary is a really lovely present with that meaning behind it. <laughs> Shane, in the honor of time, we unfortunately, this could be a four-hour segment. I, I oh, wished, totally. honestly, one, once in a while we have a show that I just wished wouldn't end, and this is oh, clearly okay. one of those. And uh, I 
I will just make the executive decision already to have you back at one point soon to continue <laughs> part two. But this is Shane Connolly, floral and event designer from London, UK. He holds a royal warrant of appointment to His Royal Highness the Prince of Wales and has done the wedding and the weddings um, at the palace and really a wonderful author and uh, a great expert in the language of flowers, conveying meaning without words. Our focus today here on An Organic Conversation, I'm Helga Hilberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And Shane, I do want to give a big shout out. What I really love about your approach is, first of all, uh, you have an absolutely organic approach to growing your flowers and much of the flowers even that were used at the royal wedding and that was quite a lot of flowers and arrangements uh, made it back to your company and they were either replanted or if they couldn't be at least composted so there is a full circle where you oh, where you totally. tr try to totally. to be as green yeah. as possibly possible to honor totally. the flower really in its yeah. again where the clients will let you yes that, you know, that's that's very important. And I, I do want to end on, a, on a, another high note. Um, can you oh. share a personal story about giving or receiving a flower or flowers that was especially meaningful for you, that really stuck out for you? When my mother died, some, someone sent me a very beautiful bowl of growing snowdrops. And snowdrops, which they might not have known, but in the language of flowers, snowdrops symbolize hope. Mm. And you also had, I had the bulbs, to plant afterwards and I did think that was a really positive thing to, to be given and it was given to me it wasn't sent for the funeral it was given to me and that that meant a lot hmm. sounds like no a drops. very intuitive friend yes <laughs> <laughs> so that was special thank you Shane for for spending pleasure. the time with us such a pleasure uh, really the pleasure is all ours uh, beautiful more than we could have thought to unlock for our audience. Yeah. And um, yeah, again, we'll have you back soon. Thank you so much for joining us Look today. To Pleasure. It. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Shane. Thank you. I cannot recommend highly enough that you pick up a copy of this book, The Language of Flowers. I'm sorry, is that the title? Is, or is yeah, it The this, Secret it's Language? The Secret Language of the Flowers. Secret Language of Flowers. It is, it is so stunningly beautiful when you flip through the pages. I mean, you could even use it as like just a, an, an ornamental it's a book. On, but, but it's saturated with all of this incredibly inspirational information. And Yes, oh. he has written actually four books, Table Flowers, uh, Shane Connolly's Wedding Flowers, The Secret Language of Flowers, and A Year in Flowers. So whether you're planning a wedding or not, just to dive into that world that is so hidden for most of us beautiful topic and uh, really mind-blowing actually it really it elevates the experience this is this is a place where i tend to feel very intimidated because i don't think highly by any means whatsoever of my arrangement skills but i do love to give flowers because it is a, it's, it is an intention of i appreciate you and i want to bring you something beautiful just like shane said at the beginning of the interview he said that if flowers exist to be beautiful it's a gift that they give to us so knowing this makes it, it opens an entire world of what you might convey to somebody that you're trying to share some meaning with an organic conversation really it is it is it is maybe it is the very first listening. organic conversation was the <laughs> one we had with flowers and this is an organic conversation, of course. I'm Helga Helbert. <laughs> and I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And we're switching from flowers and their meaning to vegetables and their meaning. Here is what's in season. 
And with us now on the phone for the update from the world of produce, directly from the produce dock, is Mr. Organic, Mr. Earl Herrick of Earl's Organic Produce. That's earlsorganic.com. Earl, are you there? Good morning. Good day. Hello, Hi. sir. Welcome. We yeah. just we just had a great interview about the language and meaning of flowers, and we want to talk with you about the language and meaning of vegetables and uh, <laughs> and fruit in the perspective of transition from end of summer, kind of right. Where where are we at on the produce dock? What are you seeing? Doesn't it yeah. feel folly all of a sudden? No doubt about it. You know, in, in going over my notes for this conversation, I, I, I highlighted that this is another great change that happens. And historically, of course, it's it's characterized by keeping your kids home from school, or or the fact is not even going to school yet because they're uh, helping with the harvest, the huge cornucopia where people gather to bring in the harvest. The transition is very apparent, and of course, you have the solstice, which comes and. And the days are shorter, uh, which affects everything. When there's less sunlight, the uh, shorter growing days, it affects everything. So, And also, of course, the sun gets lower in the horizon, just the angle of the sunlight. And whether you're aware of it or not, it affects us just in, in terms of our relationship with, with uh, flowers, too. I mean, having them on your dinner table, having them around your house or your workplace, you may not even notice it other than... It's a positive effect, <laughs> sure. and you're not really quite sure how it affects you. Yes, and, mm. and so in California, we kind of have almost a year-round growing season, at least in pockets, but still, you're right, there is a change, and if you weren't aware of it in August, this really, like now at 5.30, 6 o'clock, walking your dog, all of a sudden it's dark, or it's getting dark. There's clearly a, a fall feel to it, even in areas that you know, have year-round growing to some degree. And with that, the summer vegetables are clearly on their way out, if not already gone, and fall is coming in. There's nothing much we can do because of soil temperatures and, and overall sun exposure. The cycle repeats itself no matter where you are right now, it feels like. We're definitely heading into fall. Yeah, and depending upon the region you're in, uh, the your environment changes. Are you, Have you got the cold weather yet? Have the rains appeared? Those are the two big factors. Locally out here in, in California, the ending of the season is directly timed with that change and mostly has to do with the rain. Mm -hmm. sure. When rains don't come, as, as they have been limited the last four or five years, the season gets extended. So many farmers plan that, what I might call, well, I'll call them smart. They put in that extra planting back in July to see if they can catch that possibility of of the rain being postponed a couple months. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Sure. I that makes yeah, that yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And, and we are heading into a wet winter, supposedly, this year. Yeah. Uh, yes. We already had a little bit of rain here in Northern California, so uh, we need that. And, of course, it, it, it changes, you know, what needs to be brought in, and you can still find some heirloom tomatoes, but... Yeah, let's talk, talk specifically of, of some some of the things. Um, the heirlooms is a, is a great example because that's an item that, that is so popular and... and such a, uh, a promotion for so many retailers that many growers do put in that last planting right. to see if they can get rewarded. And that's really what October is about. The end of September and October is about that, uh, that last harvest coming in. Right. They're, they're not perhaps going to be quite as flavorful because they don't have the uh, 12 and 13 hours of sunlight, but they're still 
very, very wonderful, and it's almost like your last gasp to enjoy the the summertime, if you will. Now, what about things like grapes and figs? Are they were they mm-hmm. basically on their way out this month? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, figs, figs are done, mm-hmm. um, and grapes are something where you're going to get the last couple varieties and last couple growers that are in certain pockets. And so that's going to continue. That, that'll that continue until the heavy-duty rains because grapes you can store for a couple weeks still. One of the, some of the changes, the apple season is really upon us. Uh, much of the local stuff might be ending, but then you get some of the storage apples and some of the broader uh, apple uh, regions coming in like Michigan and, and uh, New York and, of course, Washington. Mm. Berries have pretty much ended. Uh, what about blueberry. stone stone fruit? Like I, yep. I still see nectarines here and there, but they are no longer domestic, right? Or are they? Well, you're going to get again. You can store stone fruit for a couple of weeks, and some of the later varieties are grown specifically for that. One variety is called the Last Chance, which is so appropriate <laughs> because it really is the last one, and it's a wonderful variety. And that is about the only thing you're going to you're going to see around right now. Sure. Uh, melons are pretty much done. Avocados have transferred from California grown into Mexican. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to see Southern Hemisphere start up with some production. So it really demonstrates that global awareness and marketing that, that is that is going on. Mangoes is another one. The California crop has ended. There may be a couple little inventories left here and there, but we're waiting for the, I think it's the Ecuadorian that's going to come on in another month or so. so asparagus? Asparagus, oh, asparagus is out. Yeah, right? Is that what you're well, saying? Now it's coming in again. Oh, there's <laughs> a winter out. crop? Yeah, they, Mexico starts up with a crop and it's, it's now coming in. And we'll see a domestic one way down in the desert, you know, early, early spring, late, late winter. You know, that's that one of the things that these transitions that gets pronounced is that it's almost a year-round crop now. You're right, exactly. So what, what does it mean for the consumer, Earl, when we, when we talk about latest summer, maybe still domestic production? I can already feel that if you buy that kind of produce in the store, you want to eat it within a day or two or three. It doesn't hold up anymore, right? This is the yeah. end yeah, of the exactly. end. end. Yep. Very true. And depending upon the the item we're talking about, you want to eat them. I mean, their whole characteristics are different, like a late-season peach or a late-season avocado. They're both very mature on the tree, and they will not store for you. So you want to eat them generally a little firmer because they're going to have either lower moisture in, in relative to a peach or a stone fruit. And then in an avocado, of course, it's going to have a higher oil. Both of those represent the late crop opportunity. But And right now, we're finished with that. So the, the next avocado you're getting is from Mexico, and it's going to have a lower oil content. It's going to ripen differently. It's going to take a little longer. And that's so going to show up in January. Is that right? Well, you, you can actually start getting November. them now. Yeah, October. Oh, November. You can okay. actually get some, some Mexican product now. So for a consumer, it's, it's really important right now in these transition times, just like in you know late summer with or late spring with, with domestic production starting, yeah. that we ask where this is from. And mm-hmm. knowing that if it's really fairly close grown to your home, closely grown or, or domestic, 
eat it as eat quickly, quickly as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, f- things that are picked a little bit less ripe from further away to then be shipped, they might hold up a little longer, but the flavor profile might be different too. So yes. this is the time to taste what you can in the store and then know how mm-hmm. quickly it might go. Um, this is yeah. kind of the time for some cool salads and, and even warm salads because you have so many different things that are occurring at the same time. It's a little bit of an odd season, but that means that you can do some really creative, unusual things uh-huh. in the yeah, kitchen. Yeah, the last stone fruit with some yummy fresh greens. Yeah, with some currants and some hard pears like that just got kale. here. And exactly, yeah. With the, and two other uh, two other items that are so much represented in the fall, and w- which can work really wonderful in salads, and that's pomegranates and persimmons. Oh, oh yes. yeah, my yes. absolute favorite. I mean, pomegranate. We don't eat it much because everyone is worried about their white shirt when you <laughs> when you clean it out. But the flavor of a pomegranate in a fall salad with some pear and then some, you know, maybe yeah. sautéed Arugula. greens or yeah, oh, amazing, Zucchini. amazing. And, and those two items do not are not around long. Uh-huh. You know, they're under a fall category that comes and goes, which will start maybe the, the in September and through October. And after that, boom, they're done because they don't store particularly well, and they're, very, and they're a very local piece of agriculture. Sure. And so, I would say, Earl, th- um, this is great to, to just alert listeners that, you know, really know where your produce coming from is coming from right now mm-hmm. because you might lose some serious uh, purchase dollars here if yes. you if you don't know that and if you don't do it right and store it right or eat it pretty much right away. Buy smaller quantities. Try to taste it because it might already be over. There's still amazing items out there, but it's changing every three, four days with the next shipment at the same grocery store. You might have a different farmer and it tastes different or it, it might uh, behave differently. I would say we'll do a full hour with you, a full episode with you soon in the next two, three weeks. How does that sound? Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. that that's going to be fun. We'll get some creative juices going there. Yeah, and Perfect then really looking at season. fall and holidays mm-hmm. because right. they are coming up. And I feel like, for example, the grape season seemed mm-hmm. shorter this year, but amazing quality. I had some of the best grapes I ever remember. Looking at Halloween, looking at Thanksgiving. Let's do that. I think it's yes. a, it's an important time right now to, to really stay weekly on the produce items that are coming in and help people plan ahead. You know, you know to be in touch with how the weather is and see how and be able to coordinate that and, and connect that with your food. I mean, it, it, you know, it's so vital and it's so real. And we tend to, you know, occasionally get disconnected and, you know, ask for, uh, you know, peaches in November or, or December and look for stuff out of, out of season. So to be able to connect that, educate yourself, talk to your produce department, keep your eyes open, it's pretty fulfilling. Yes, I mean, it's really, it's good for your body, it's good for your mind and our connection, and it's actually good for your your purse. So, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> good all around. <laughs> Thank you so much, Earl. We'll have you back next week, and um, yes, we'll circle back to you for a full episode with Earl Herrick of Earl's Organic Produce. That's earlsorganic.com. Check it out for lots of weekly, daily almost produce tips of what's coming in when, and it's a really amazing monitor to to see what's still domestically in season and what's maybe coming from a little bit further away. Thanks, Earl. We'll have you back soon. Thank you both. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Bye. 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 Bye yeah, and Earl's Organic site also has lots of great recipes and storage and selection tips for getting the best and enjoying the best. It's it's really a Rich. useful website. Yes. You know, it's so interesting in the middle of our episode as Shane was talking about the meaning of roses, I remember that I had this rose toner in my handbag that I got from Credo. It's actually called Love and Roses. 
I think those two <laughs> things are just like intricately linked. That's the way everybody thinks about it. So we've been spraying ourselves in the studio to kind of create the atmosphere. And I really appreciate, I love that organic commitment. And for them, of course, the meaning and Britain kind of stands for flowers and roses and the meaning of, of flowers. This seems to be like a perfect fit. But I had a chance to be the tour guide for a weekend when the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall came out to West Marin, to Point Reyes, to study and learn from and look at the organic agriculture that was done in West Marin that I was involved in. And he is truly an organic pioneer. So no surprise and a wonderful confirmation that even to know that at the weddings, all the flowers are organic. That's just wonderful and full circle. That's an organic conversation for this week, the language of flowers conveying meaning without words. And we'll be back with more listening and more language next week. See you then. Bye. <laughs> Bye. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. This show would not be possible without the ongoing support from our listeners. Whether it's a dollar a month or a one-time donation, please consider becoming a patron of An Organic Conversation. For more information on how to support this program, please visit patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash an organic conversation thank you for your contribution an organic conversation is made possible through listeners like you and the fantastic support of our underwriters earl's organic produce a national distributor providing certified organic fruits and vegetables for your store home or business since 1988 the website is earlsorganic.com and also fry vineyards america's first certified organic winery producing organic and certified biodynamic wine. For more information, frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. Thank you as well to Bowman College, focused on holistic nutrition and culinary arts for over 20 years. Bowman College offers professional training programs that prepare individuals for careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Their website is bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash an organic conversation. We are your hosts, Helga Helberg and Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye.